Good morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, for those of you that were here last night, wasn't that an awesome time? Ooh, man. And, and for those of you that weren't, you missed out. And, and I, I apologize because one of the things that I thought of afterwards was we should have recorded it and put it on our, our website for people to be able to watch. But uh, we heard from Livia from Romania, I believe, and she was just telling us what her life was like. You know, we, we, <laughs> we live in such a bubble. We do. We live in this amazing country. Is it perfect? No. We're headed towards the perfect place. That's heaven. But, but this is a, a country that, as Livia told us, everybody wants to come here because of what we have available to us and how challenging her life was and what a difference one of these little boxes made in her life. She had been believing for years and years and years for something very special, meant the world to her. Hair clips. And you may say, well, that's, why, why would she... Why would she be believing for that? Why would she want that? Why would that mean so much to her? It just did. One of the reasons was because she couldn't get them. And in the top of the box that she received were hair clips. Somebody took the time to buy something that was so common to us that meant so much to her. But that's what God does. God takes very seemingly unimportant acts, simple acts, anything, something that anyone can do, and then he impacts a life. It's not just about the uh, Christmas boxes. It's about the acts of kindness that we do all the time. Whether it's it's an act of kindness towards God where we pray and thank him for what, what he's done for us. Whether it's an appreciation for somebody, what they've done for us. It's, it's an opportunity for God to work through our lives, to impact other people's lives. Because if that was not why we're still here, the moment we got saved, we'd be right in the throne room of heaven. We'd be in heaven forevermore. But God has for us to impact people's lives here and impart what he's imparted to us. And that's, that's an amazing thing. God wants to flood your life with abundant life so that it overflows from you into all the people that you and I come in contact with. But until we allow him to flow into us and flood us and fill us and transform us, our impact and impartation to other people is limited. And God wants you, wherever you go, to manifest his kingdom. Now, his kingdom is an amazing thing. His kingdom is a kingdom of life, abundant life. It's a kingdom of peace and joy and hope. It's a kingdom of prosperity and victory. It's a kingdom of wisdom and understanding. There's nothing lacking in his kingdom. And as we allow the kingdom of God to truly be manifest in us and through us, wherever we go, that kingdom goes with us. Jesus told his disciples, 
wherever you go, the kingdom of God is at hand. But the degree the kingdom is at hand is the degree we've allowed God to, to have his way in our life, fill us and flood us. And, uh, you know, we're, we're studying about what Jesus taught his disciples, and it was about this, about God being able to fill our lives and transform our lives and then work through our lives to impact all those around us. And today we're going to continue on in, in John chapter 15, just a glance back, but also going on to Psalm 91. But before we do, we're going to pray. So if you just bow your heads, Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, it's so, so amazing and it's so easy to be taken for granted that uh, we don't have to go somewhere to, to be with you or to hear from you or to know you. You are with us. Lord, you, you said you would never leave us or forsake us, and we're so grateful for that. But Father, oftentimes we, we don't make full use of the benefit and blessing of you being present with us through the person of Holy Spirit. But today, Father, we thank you. We thank you for Holy Spirit's residence in us, his guidance, his conviction, his affirmation. We thank you also, Father, for your word, that, Father, will transform our lives as we not just know the truth, but apply it to our lives and live it. Help us to recognize what, what of everything that's said here today is for each one of us individually. Father, you are building your church that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So we thank you for the words that we'll receive today that will cause us to grow in your grace and in your knowledge and help transform us. And we thank you, Father, for your spirit who never leaves us. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said. Uh, before we go to John, I, I just want to go to a scripture that this week I was reading through uh, the book of Ephesians, and I got to chapter 5, and I read these words, and I thought, gee, you know, that's really applicable, and I was thinking about myself. But uh, the Apostle Paul writes, so be very careful how you live. This is a time to be very aware of how you're living. And we know that. Live wisely, not as fools. And, and one of the things that keeps rolling over in me is, is the parable that Jesus taught about the ten virgins, the five foolish and the five wise, and how they were waiting for the bridegroom and how that is so pointing towards us as the church waiting for the return of the Lord and, and how there were five wise and five foolish. And the only difference between the wise and the foolish was the wise ones were prepared. The foolish ones were unprepared. And God wants us to be prepared. If we're prepared, we never have to be scared about what's going on because we know who he is and we know what he's promised and we're confident that this is not our home, that heaven is our home. We, we, we are not, we are in this world, we're not of this world. Our, our, our forever home is heaven. And we have everything that heaven has to offer right here and now available to us. But we need to live a life that's not foolish, not wasteful, but, but living as wise. And then he says, I mean that you should use every opportunity you have. Now, we, we heard from Dave today about the opportunity that they had to pray when they were out eating. How many of us... Well, I won't even ask it. I was going to say, how many of us eat out? Uh, 
It doesn't matter. We all do. We all eat out, maybe at McDonald's, it may be another place. But in that moment, the Bible tells us we're to give thanks in all things. We're to give thanks to God for the food we're about to partake. And, and there's a, another part that says at, that he will take sickness from our midst. You know, every time you eat, you and I should pause for a moment, not just thanking God, but affirming the fact that he said he would take sickness from our midst. Just think about that. I don't know how often you eat a day, but that could really change your life. And, and so we, we, again, it's another moment in time where we can acknowledge God. Just like I hope you're still doing it, whenever you pull out your phone, before you go to engage with that thing, engage with God. Because the more we engage with God, the more we interact with God, the more we connect with God, the better our lives are going to be, the more transformed we're going to be. But he said, I mean that you should use every opportunity you have for doing good because these are evil times. Now, this was written not last month, right? And it's absolutely appropriate for today. Are these evil times? Absolutely. And he says, take every opportunity to do good. Now, why? Because the Bible says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Because it's the goodness of God that leads us in repentance. The goodness captures people's attention and draws their hearts. And God is good. God is good all the time. And so we need to take every opportunity. And then it says, so don't be foolish with your lives. Learn what the Lord wants you to do. Learn what the Lord wants us to do. Because there are things he wants us to do. And that, that leads right into what Jesus taught. Jesus taught about being fruitful, about bearing fruit, about how important it is. It, it, it's what we are called and appointed for. This is the will of God for us, that we would bear fruit. Because people are going to be moved towards and by the fruit in our lives. And, and in that, that alone is enough, knowing that it's God's will. But it also brings great pleasure to our Heavenly Father. And that should be something that's really, really, really high on our list. But as we do these things, this is what God wants. God wants us to be fruitful. And so we started reading in John chapter 15 where uh, he said if, that we should bear fruit. And if we don't have any fruit, he is going to lift us so that we bear fruit or discipline us. And I don't know about you, but when I hear discipline, I, I usually think, oh, man, i got to do something I don't want to do. But understanding the word discipline means to bring to a place of order and obedience. When there's order in our lives, when there's obedience in our lives to God, our lives begin to elevate like nothing else. That's what causes our lives to become transformed. When we come to the place of order, realigning with this new kingdom that we're a part of. You know, the Bible tells us that when we come to Christ, that we are new creations. We're a new creation in Christ. And then it says, old things have passed away. But how many of you know 
that that's what God wants, that's what we need, but it doesn't always happen. We drag the old stuff along with us, right? Well, if you don't want to admit it, that's, that's up to you, but it's still true. And, and so we have these, these things in our lives that need to be removed. And that's a purging, that, that first lifting of God, the discipline of God is purging sin, active sin that's still part of our lives because once we're saved, we can't sin anymore, right? We, 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 actually, we can sin easier because we choose. We're not forced, we choose. And so we, we've got to come to that place of recognizing there's another way. We become a part of a new kingdom. The kingdom has new and living ways to walk in. We have to choose to learn those ways and realign with those ways and put away the old ways. So there's a purging of sin in our lives is the first part. Then there's a pruning of self and and the world's ways that are in us that we've learned just growing up, immersed in the world and taught by the world. And the ways of the world are not the ways of the kingdom. And so we have to Learn these new ways to walk in them. And then the third stage of fruit bearing, which is really where it kicks in. The first two are making room for God to move. The third stage is abiding. And in John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5, uh, Jesus said these words, and he said, Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me. And I in him. You see, there's, there's a connection and then there's an exchange. The degree we're abiding in him is the degree that he can move into our lives and begin to do what he wants to do and what we need him to do. Because we need God to have his way in our lives. We need to decrease the control of our lives and he needs to increase in the control of our lives. Now, that may sound like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm not going to have any fun anymore. You're going to be more filled with joy and peace than ever before. The Bible tells us that, that it's more blessed to give than receive. When we give our lives to God, it's the beginning of joy flowing in our lives. Because God is the author of joy. He is the initiator of joy. He is the source of joy. And the more we abide in him, the more we connect and make room for him, the more he can fill our lives. Because God won't force anything on us, but he'll fill whatever we make available to him. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something right now. If you just close your eyes, and I'm asking you to do this because it is important that you're not looking around concerned about anything you see but just realize that whatever good you have in your life has come from God. But God wants that good, that joy, that peace, that health, that wisdom, that strength, that hope overflowing. And so, Father, right now I pray that we would recognize our need for more of you. And we re release our control of our lives, not just letting it go, but turning it over to you. That, Father, you would truly have your way in us 
so that you can have your way through us to impact all those that you love around us. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. So this abiding is the, it's the power that begins to flow, make the flow of God real and vibrant and ever-increasing. The more we abide, the more the flow is able to come to us and through us. And so we, we've looked at this. We read through John chapter 15, and we've gone on to a psalm that is all about abiding. It's one of the two most well-known psalms of all the psalms. It's probably the second most well-known. The first one is Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But this is Psalm 91, and so this morning we're going we're gonna to take a running start from verse 1 and 2 and then jump through some things. But it's important that we look at this and we really understand and dissect this. Um, the psalmist writes, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That word dwells is the, the, the Hebrew word, the same for abide as abide, it means to remain, it means to sit down, it means to settle in, it means to be present continuously, it means to make our home, all right? So he who dwells, it's about a permanent placement. Dwells, we dwell, we don't leave, we dwell there. It's not I visit. He who visits the secret place of the Most High. No, he who dwells, it's a continuous thing. And, and it's the secret place. And what did we determine? It's secret because when things are secret, not everybody knows them. Not everybody goes to a secret place. But there's a, a, a better definition. The word secret, it means severed or separated. Now, you'll understand this in a minute. Severed or separated. And then place is not a geographical location. That word place means condition. So he who dwells, he who remains in a severed or separated condition. Now what's it talking about? A severed and separated condition of the most high. If we're severed and separated, we shouldn't be severed and separated from God, should we? But what should we be severed and separated from? The world, the world's ways, the world's values, the world's priorities, the world's processes, the world's thinking. But how, how challenging is it to be in the world, and yet the Bible says we're not of this world? But we are exposed to this all the time. And it says we're, we've got to live this severed, separated life. Severed and separated from the world's ways. You know, it's not just the world's ways. It's our old ways of thinking. Our old ways of doing things. Our old ways of perceiving things. All of this... We're supposed to be constantly cutting that off. And the Bible, you know, in the New Testament, bears, bears, uh, affirms this in the fact that we're supposed to crucify our flesh. 
We're supposed to cut off the flesh. Now, the flesh is our, our emotions, and I'm not saying that you can't have emotions, but don't ever let your emotions guide you. They are to enhance your life, not control your life. And we have every opportunity to control our emotions. The Bible tells us we can. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. So anger will come, but we don't have to be controlled by it. And if that's true about anger, it's true about every emotion. Sorrow, anything. It should not be allowed to control us because there's only one that should control us. And who is that? God, the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ. And he was the word made flesh that dwelled among us. So the Lord, the word of God, should be the things that truly control us, his spirit. And so we, we live this severed, separated life or condition, and yet we're immersed in a society that is very opposite of God and his ways. And so, you know, we if you think back to what you lived like B.C., before Christ. You know, I think back to those days and I'm embarrassed. I'm also amazed I'm still alive. But I can't allow the, the past to creep in to my present and rob my future. Because if we let the past continue to rule in our life, it'll rob us of the very provision that God has for us. Because we're giving it away. We're giving away what God's given us, not in the way God intends. We're just being robbed. And when we're robbed, everybody's robbed. But that secret place, that separated place, you know, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, this isn't going to be up on your screens. It says, he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. It's talking about Jesus. And transferred us into the kingdom of his, his dear son. We were living for however many years in the kingdom of darkness. We were trained up. We were controlled by the kingdom of darkness. And then all of a sudden... We receive Jesus as our Lord, and we come into the kingdom of his dear son. And yet the kingdom of darkness doesn't want to let go, but it has to. Except when we invite it in. When we go back to our old ways, when we do things the way we used to do things, think the way we used to think. And that's why we have to no, we need to learn about this new kingdom through the Word of God, through the Bible, and begin to adjust our lives from what we used to be doing, what was familiar, what was common to us, what was in some ways comfortable to us. Now we have to get uncomfortable. We have to get uncomfortable in a way that's going to build our lives and build other people's lives. 
So he's, he's taken us out of this old kingdom. Now we're in a new kingdom, but now we have the responsibility to recognize what are old kingdom ways? What are the kingdoms of darkness ways in our life? And say no to that. And not just say no to that, but we re- replace them with the new kingdom, the kingdom of his dear son, their ways. Because we're living this severed, separated life. And it's tough. It's tough to live this severed, separated life if we're not constantly in communion and contact, constantly referencing in our thinking the things that we're doing. You know, we shouldn't just do life on autopilot. And how many times do we do that? We get, we get tired or we get overwhelmed or we don't want to be where we are and so we start just daydreaming and we do life on autopilot, not really being present. And God has for us to abide. That's being present. Abide in him. We do our job, but we do our job abiding in Christ, abiding in the Lord, abiding in him, abiding in God Almighty. And when we do it, we do it as unto the Lord. Because we know the Lord's our source. I don't know who writes your paycheck, but God is your provider. Some of you need to just, that's, that was it for you today. Just write it down, hide it in your heart, because the day may come where you don't have the support of who's writing your paycheck. <laughs> Did any of you get a guarantee they'll never fire you? Because I want to know. Did anybody get a guarantee that your company will never go out of business, never hit hard times? Absolutely not. So it's iffy. Well, Pastor, I didn't come to be scared. I'm not scaring you. I'm preparing you. Because you can face an economic downturn. You can face the worst recession there's ever been. And you don't have to be scared because you're prepared. You're prepared because you know that that whoever writes your check is not the source of your supply. That God is your provider. That he supplies all your needs, not according to the economy. Not according to the Federal Reserve. according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know his riches in glory cannot be exhausted? That's why we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear anything that's going on in this world because we're in it, but we're not of it. And if we live in this world abiding in God dwelling in the secret place, the severed place. Yeah, we're living in a world that that has all sorts of priorities and all sorts of values that are skewed, just opposite of the kingdom of God. But if we hold on to the kingdom values, if we hold on to the king of the kingdom, we never, ever, ever have to be worried, stressed, depressed, or oppressed. 
because greater is he that's in you. Well, he came to live in you, but how much? When you receive Christ, you got God. But from that point on, the goal is for God to get you. To get more and more of you. And that's what abiding does. That's what dwelling does. We're giving more and more. We're living the severed, separated life. We're giving more and more to God. And you know what? Then you'll, you'll be very aware that God continues to say, no matter what's going on in your life, I got you. I got you. But God, I got you. But what? Well, I got you. And all of a sudden, it's going to settle down. Starting in your spirit, your spirit is going to be at rest. And because you're living that abiding life, that life where it's severed from everything else that's going on, are you unaware? Is the, does this mean that you walk through life with blinders on? Absolutely not. You're more aware of what's going on but you're also even more aware of who is with you and for you. Because you're abiding, you're connecting. Like the vine abides in the branch, or the branch abides in the vine. It grabs a hold of the vine and holds onto it. If the branch detaches from the vine, how much life is in the branch? See, we can't hold on to two things, we can't serve two masters. And that's where we've got to choose. And this severed life isn't I sever some but not others. Because wherever we don't sever or separate from the world's ways, we impede the work of God in our lives. The provision of God in our lives. The flow of God in our lives. Because God will not violate our choice. If, if we're looking to, you know, our resources to protect us in an economic downturn. God is not going to take over and say, hey, forget that, I'll, I'll take care of you. He won't take care of you when you're taking care of yourself. Oh. Because he won't violate your choice. He won't violate my choice. If I choose to be the one that I'm depending on to supply everything I need, my wife needs, my family needs, then I, my stress level is going to go up. But if I realize I'm not the end, I'm looking to God, it's on Him. My trust, my dependence, my confidence is on Him. And I know that He never fails. I know that He uses unorthodox ways to do things but he never fails, then it doesn't matter. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be fearful because I have severed my dependence on. Because I did. I, I, I was told I wasn't going to have a job. I had worked for nine years for a company. Got very used to living at the level that we lived at, which was, was amazing. And they came in one day and said, you either have to move or you're done. Yeah, they'll do that to you sometimes. And so I went out to a state in the Midwest and looked at it and prayed about it 
went back and said, I can't move. Well, yeah, you can. All you have to do is show up there. That's where your paycheck is showing up. No, I can't move because you'll end up replacing me. You'll spend a lot of money to move me and my family out there, a lot of money to, to do all the things that you want to do, and I'm not going to be there. Well, why aren't you going to be there? Because my family won't live out there. I know that they won't be happy out there. And I know I'm not supposed to go out there. I know I'm supposed to stay where I am. Well, then your days are numbered. And week by week, I would go in each week, not sure if I'd have a job. Did that for a year. Yeah. But you know what? No stress. Because we knew we were doing what God wanted us to do. And we knew. God, that's when God got it through to me. Yes, Dresser Industries is on the check, but I'm behind them. I provide through them, and I don't need them to provide for you. I can do it through other sources. I can do it through other ways. But you need to look to me and not to them. You don't bow down to them, you bow down to me. And I told them. And they said, okay, this is, this is the end date. This is as far as we can carry you. You know what? It didn't stress me out. And this isn't because I'm some super saint. Because I'm not. It's because I had come to the place where I decided I was going to grab onto God with both hands. Because everything else in my life that wasn't part of God was being shaken. And we came to the date and it came and went. And they said, well, would, you, would you stay on a while longer? Well, all right. And then finally, God said, that's it. It's done. Tell them you're resigning. <laughs> I went in and I told my boss, I said, listen, I'm resigning. What are you going to do? Well, um, I'm going to go up to New York. My wife and I know that God has for us to uh, be a part of a church up there where we're going in, into full-time ministry. Are you out of your mind? Well, I guess in a way, but finally in my right mind. And they couldn't believe it. No, no worries, no stress. There was a peace that passes all understanding. It guarded our hearts and our minds. Why? Because we'd made a decision to abide, to grab onto God with both hands. He is our source. He is our all in all. We don't need anything but God. And you may say, well, that's pretty radical. No, no, it's the way of the kingdom. Jesus is supposed to have preeminence in everything. First place. The most weight, the most importance, the most value. And yet we, we don't live this severed life. And I don't. I'm trying to be more severed than ever before, more separated than ever before. I haven't attained to this. There are times that it's just easy to migrate back to the old ways. 
and, and we've got to recognize when we're migrating back to those old ways, we're, we're depending on and hanging on to and, and relying on and making our home in these other things. And I don't know what it is for you. And I don't need to know. But you do. We each need to know, where are we really living? In the world or in him? Are we living in the kingdom of darkness or are we living in the kingdom of his dear son? Are we living in the principles and priorities and values and standards of the world or are we living in the principles, priorities and values and standards of the kingdom? Because I'm telling you today, there are so many Christians that are adopting the values of the world, the values of the kingdom of darkness. Well, you know, I can sleep with him. We, we, can, we, can, we can do this together. Are you married? No. But we love each other, and God knows it. God knows everything. And God knows he can't bless what doesn't honor him. And it's not just about people sleeping together. It, it, it's about gossip. It's about overeating. It's about not taking care of the temple of God, the body that God gave us. It's all these things. It's about making things more of a priority than God. Because no matter how good they look, if they don't line up with the, the ways of the kingdom of his dear son, then they're out of alignment. And what happens? What happens to a tire on a car that's out of alignment? Yeah, it wears out fast and becomes unusable. And when we're out of alignment, we start to wear. Wear out fast. We get tired. We, we, we experience things that, that God never intended. In this world, there's a wear this world has on us. Just like everything in this world, it's being broken down. Now, our old man, our body, our bodies are being broken down. You know, nobody here can say, you know what? My body is stronger and better, and it's always going to be stronger and better. It's not going to happen. You can fight gravity, but gravity wins. <laughs> okay? It's just the truth. Because this isn't going with us. But who you really are, you are a spirit man. That's who you really are. That's going on forever. And heaven is your destination. Your body is going back to the dust that it was made from. You're going to get a glorified body. I was talking to somebody just yesterday about how, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was today, uh, how much I'm looking forward to my glorified body. But where we've got to work is our soul. Man, we have to renew our minds. We have to choose to abide in God and, and so rely on God that our emotions aren't controlling us. Fear isn't controlling us. You know, God had the insight. It's amazing how he does. To tell us not to fear over 365 times. I've not counted them, but I've heard enough people say that there are more than 365 times in the Word of God that God tells us to fear not. 
one for each day. Because he knew every day we'd have that, that possibility of fear because he knew the world was going to continue to go downhill. And you and I should not be surprised when we hear things are getting darker and worse. God said it's going to. But he also said as much as the darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness the people, the people are going to be in so much darkness. We don't have to be. We arise and shine. Because the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Now how does the glory come in our lives? Christ in us is the hope of glory. We abide in God. We dwell in God. And God is more able, more freely flowing in our lives. People are seeing Jesus more fully in our lives than ever before. We're experiencing the life of God. All, all that heaven has to offer in our lives because we're abiding. We're dwelling. We're, we're not in and out. We're not back and forth. We're not up and down. We're not wondering, gee, you know, the world says this. And this is acceptable. No, it's not just acceptable. It's celebrated. We need to celebrate this. And God's word says it's a sin. And then we get this peer pressure. Well, how come you aren't celebrating that? Are you prejudiced? I, 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 I am prejudiced. I am prejudiced for God. I want God. And I want to live the way God wants me to live. Which means every human being is important. Not just the ones that do what I like. Every human being. Not just the saved. Every human being. As we dwell, as we abide with God, all of a sudden the kingdom characteristics begin to control our lives. Where every life is valuable. Unborn lives are valuable, not just a, a choice. They're valuable. White lives, black lives, yellow lives, old lives, young lives. Every life is valuable. And one isn't more valuable than another. And if we live the kingdom principles, there will be an equity. We're supposed to value others more than ourselves. But that only happens when we abide, when we dwell in God, when we adopt and let his, his characteristics, his character, his principles, his presence fill us. When we look at people, we see people Jesus died for. That person may be the biggest pain in the neck But that's the person Jesus died for. And you and I have the privilege and the opportunity. Because the Davids are evil, make sure you take every opportunity to do good. To love them on behalf of God that they have no idea loves them. Because we're not going by the ways of the world. When somebody's a pain in your neck, you want to be painful to them. We live that severed life. We cut that off. 
We dwell in the secret place, that severed place, that severed condition. I no longer do what I used to do. Now I do what God has for me to do. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow. Remember that shadow was like the shadow of is- for Israel when they went through the desert. It was a defense, a protection against the intense sun. Then it goes on to say, I will say of the Lord. What would happen right now if all of a sudden everything that we have said of the Lord started to appear on the screens? (laughs) Some of you are like, God, why don't you care about me? We've all done it. But the Bible says death and life are in the power of what? Your tongue, your tongue, and you're going to eat whatever your tongue produces. And, and it, this is not an easy thing. The Bible tells us. You know, the tongue is a little member of our body, but it is incredibly hard to control. But how many of you know, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that true? then even though the tongue is a, a member that's hard to control, we can control it by the grace of God. We can control it because we're not being controlled by our tongue. We're abiding in God. We're dwelling in that secret place, that severed place. I no longer give my tongue the opportunity to say the things that it used to say because all this stuff was running through my head. Because what comes out of your mouth was first in your head. And that's where when, when we want to find out where we are listen to what you're saying (laughs) no it is true yeah because God's been telling me listen to what you're saying what are you talking about you say you believe this but look what you're saying severed life cut it off death and life are in the power of the tongue what are we supposed to say? We're supposed to say of the Lord, He is a refuge. I'm hearing it. Are you getting it? He's not just a refuge because it may be you see somebody else going into that safe place, that place of peace all the time. They're like, they're always there. Don't, doesn't anything bother them? How come they got it and I don't? What are you saying? I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Do you know all the promises are available to you? Everybody can have everything the Bible says. We've got to qualify. And one of the things that we see in Psalm 91, there are amazing Motivational things, motivators that God has said. If we'll dwell, if we'll abide, he'll be our refuge, he'll be our fortress. And then it talks about all these things that God's going to do to protect us and provide for us. But that's if we're dwelling, if we're abiding, if we're severed. If we're doing this dance out and in and out and in and out and in, I'm in the world, I'm out of the world, I'm in God, I'm out of God, 
Do you know what that is? It's being double-minded. Do you know what the Bible says in the New Testament about double-minded people? They're unstable in all their ways. And do you know what they can expect from God? Nothing. The Bible tells us if we're double-minded, in and out, back and forth, up and down, we're unstable and we should not expect anything from God. Why? Because we stand in faith and it's starting to move towards us and then we get out of faith and it stops. What moves things from the unseen to the seen is faith. We're believing what isn't seen till it is. And we'll never let go of it. The Bible says don't cast away your confidence for it has great reward. Great reward. And in Psalm 91, we see conditions. He who dwells in that severed, separated condition from the world dwells, remains there, is present there, not in and out. will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Then we'll say, he's my refuge, my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. And it goes on and it, it tells us, and we went through it last week, the things that, that he will do in our lives. And that in the midst of all this stuff happening around us, and some of it to us, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. Why? Because he's with us. He's for us. He is going to see us through. Every bit of it. We talked about how he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from other things. He'll cover you with his feathers and under his wings you'll take refuge. His truth will be your shield and your buckler. You'll not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. You'll not have to be afraid of anything during the night or anything during the day. So what does that leave out? Isn't God good? But we've got to make a choice. Who are we going to abide in? And are we going to stay put? Again, there were a number of things that, that there are promises of God. And these are motivators. Because God is a rewarder. The Bible says God is a rewarder. We need to go to God and, and believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. Him. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. God is a rewarder because God knew if he said it, we might not do it. And so there are motivators, these benefits and blessings that highly motivate us to do what he said. And when we read through the psalm, they're all throughout it. But, but he's no different. I mean, we, how many of you parents told your kids to get good grades? How many of you used motivation for them to get good grades? I'm not trying to you know, find out your personal stuff, but for us, I knew if I told the boys, you need to get good grades because they had known about me and my track record in school. I'm telling them to do something I didn't do. And so they needed to be motivated. Now, a huge motivation was their mother. She went through Everything, college included, 1B, 1B. 
very, very smart. Thank God the boys took after her. But I wanted to be sure. And so I told them, boys, get good grades. Well, we'll try. I want to motivate you. I'll give you, and this was when they were in, you know, the little school. I'll pay you $5 for every A you get. $3 for every B you get. A dollar for every C you get. And I will punish you for every D you get. <laughs> because they got to know if they don't hit the mark, there's a penalty. Isn't there? If you don't get the right grades, you don't get to continue. There's a penalty. We get penalized. I wanted them to know that this is the way it works. This is really the way it works. God rewards you, but you also get penalized if you don't do what he has for you to do. Now, the numbers went up as the grades went up. You know, the levels. Then we got to the place we were in college, and we said, we're doing enough for you already. <laughs> but these motivators, God motivates us. And he shouldn't. it should just be because we love him. And we know he's wiser than we are. We're going to do what he says. Why does God tell us to do what he tells us to do? Does he want to control us? Is that the motivation behind God telling us don't do this and don't do that and do this and do that? No. It's because he loves us. God always wants good for us. Go ahead, be bold enough to say it. The best. God is good, but he wants the best for you. He's made the provision for the best. And why would we, why would we choose anything other than what he has? What he asks, what he tells us. Because we're deceived. Because we have pride. And those are things we have to cut off. We have to cut off. Well, again, God's Holy Spirit keeps reminding me, they don't have to do anything. Don't tell them they have to do that. Tell them they should and they need to. Because that's what God tells me. It doesn't say you have to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Because your life will be better. And when your life is better, you can make your wife's life better. You can make your children and your grandchildren's life better. You can make your friend's life better. You can make strangers' life better if you'll do what I tell you because my way is best. So hold on to me. Grab on to me. Seek me with everything. And you'll see the rewards of that abiding, that dwelling, that seeking that don't come any other way. Verse 9, we're jumping down to there because we got down to verse 8 last week. Because, because, this, this is an indication of why this happens. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge and even the Most High your dwelling place. Remember, the Lord is your refuge, he's your safe place. But your dwelling place is the secret place, the separated place, the the, the, 
the place where we have cut off the severed place of self and of the world and of our habits and things like that. Is anybody going to get this all right all the time? No. Listen, for those of you that are perfectionists, you're not. And you never will be. There's only one perfect one. And God's not looking for perfection. God is just looking for us to continue to trust Him and to abide in Him and to grow in Him. Make progress. Don't look for perfection. Just make progress. Because you have made the Lord your refuge who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. And then it begins to tell us about what, what's going to occur for that person who is abiding, who is in that severed condition, that separated life to God. In verse 10, it goes on to say this. No evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Now, it didn't say no evil will come at you. It said it won't conquer you. You're in this world. You are a target. The enemy hates you, and he can't go to heaven and hurt God. So what he does is he does what a lot of people would do in a situation where they were afraid of the one that they, they wanted to hurt. They would hurt the one, the one they want to hurt, the one they love. So the enemy goes after you to hurt God. But that's where... The enemy can just go so far. It won't conquer you. You won't be overcome by it. You'll overcome it. No plague will come near your home. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Now, it doesn't mean you can order them around. God's given them an order. Let them do what he has for them to do. I have a feeling that when I get to heaven... I'm going to look around and see all these angelic beings that are going to be just amazing and, and, and awesome. And I'm going to see this one angel over here all beat up. I'm going to be like, oh, you're my guardian angel. <laughs> no, they won't be. They are, they are amazing, amazing creatures. He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Now, the Amplified has a better translation of this. Because that could be like, well, I'm going to the bar tonight. You think your angels are going to protect you going to the bar and getting drunk? No. So the Amplified says this. He will give his angels charge over you to accompany and defend you and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They will hold you up with their hands so you don't even, won't even hurt your foot on the stone. Do you remember something like that being said to Jesus? Yeah, the enemy was quoting scripture to tempt Jesus to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple. And Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions, serpents under your feet. And, and that is also... What Jesus said we would be able to do in the New Testament. You'll tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. But is that for just anybody? 
No, the only way we can do that is we abide in him and we let him abide in us. We abide in him and his word abides in us. We abide in him and his love and his love abides in us. That's the only way that we're able to overcome the enemy. We submit ourselves to God and then we can resist the devil and he'll flee. It's not in our power. We don't have power apart from the power that God provides for us. Go ahead to the other New Living Translations. Uh, yeah. No, no. Did we not go to 15 or did we already? There it is. Oh. Yeah. Okay, we're going to the message. Sorry, I'm, I'm confused. Uh, the Lord said, I will rescue those who love me and I will protect those who trust my name. When they call on me, I'll answer and be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. If you hold on to me for dear life. What, what, a, what a, a phrase, hold on to me for dear life. Who else would we hold on to for dear life? Who else can give us life? That's why abiding, we've got to hold on to him. We've got to stay present, stay connected, and continue to cut the things that have continued to connect us with the world and the ways that we learn in the world. I'll get you out of any trouble and I'll give you the best of care if you'll only get to know and trust me. Call me and I'll answer. Be at your side. In bad times, I'll rescue you and throw you a party. Yeah, absolutely. God is a party God. Look at, look at all the festivals, all the things that they were to celebrate. He told Israel, you need to celebrate these things. When we go to heaven, when Jesus returns and we go to heaven, what are we going to be doing? That's right, we're going to celebrate. It's going to be the biggest blowout bash ever. And everyone's invited, but not everyone will go. Why? Because of choices. Choices of who, what they're going to hold on to. What's going to be a priority in their life. You and I need to make that choice. And continue to make that choice when other options are coming up. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. There are options every day. There are opportunities every day. To do what we've done the way we used to do it. To believe what we used to believe, what we were taught, what we learned, what has been common and, and prevailing in our lives, or we can walk in this new and living way. We can abide, dwell, make our homes, settle down, be present within this world with God. And then we'll really be in this world, but not of this world. Our provision, our protection, the plan for our life has nothing to do with what goes on in this world because God has that plan, that protection, and that provision that's not dependent on this world. It never changes, which means your life 
the more you and I dwell, abide, connect and allow God to have his way in our life, the more stable we become, the more secure we become, the more peace-filled, the more joy-filled, the more hope-filled we become as the world is getting more desperate and dark. That sounds like a pretty good provision and plan. But we've got to choose it, and we've got to keep choosing it. And this morning I want to ask you, have you made the choice to give up your life to Christ, for him to be Lord of your life, that he would, he would govern you, he would guide you, and he would guard you? Or are you still trying to run and govern your life and guard your life and guide your life? Because if you are, there's a better way. But it's turning to him and trusting in him. And if you have never done that, I want to pray with you this morning. And if you know that you want, you want to give, not up, but give over your life to the Lord, I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me. Then I believe everyone here that has wanted to receive the Lord has. We won't force him on you. But for every one of us who has, it's a battle. It is an all-out battle and fight. Nothing easy about it. Jesus never said it was easy. But the Word of God tells us we can do it through Christ who strengthens us. If we reach out for Him and, and invite Him and make room for Him to have His way in us, it can be done. Now, is it automatic? No, it's not automatic. And we're to walk out this life with him. Walking is intentional. You don't ever get somewhere walking that you didn't intend to get. To get. you got to make a choice. And today, recognize choices, choices. Am I going to sever? Am I going to separate? from what has been so much a part of my life, my way of doing things, my way of thinking. Because I want, I want to abide. I want to dwell in that secret place. I, 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 God, I want you to take care of me the way you said, but I know it's only because I've separated. I've made room for you to have your way and not anything or anyone else having their way in my life but you. Father, I pray right now for every one of us that you would reveal to us those things that need to be cut off. That we need to separate ourselves from. It may be ways of thinking. It may be ways of acting. It may be ways of valuing. It may be people. It may be habits. But Father, help us. Help us to see. Open the eyes of our understanding. That we would be aware of the things that are hindering you from having your way. That we would know the hope of your calling. The rich abundance of your glorious life and grace. And the power 
the power you make available to us as we, as we abide, as we dwell in you, as we, we purge the sin from our lives and prune the self and the world in our lives. And you're able to flow more freely, more fully than ever before. We thank you, Father, for this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you never give up. And if you never give up on us, help us to come to that place where we will never give up on you. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?